gets inside, leans in, knocked away and stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top. This the dagger. This kind of sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. Here's the thing, I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is CourtsHeat.com. I'm your host, Joshua Unix, and we are back on... Um, we're, we're just we're just here as the NBA season has kicked off. We're ready. It's been crazy from my Phoenix Suns losing to seeing the Lakers lose, to seeing the Warriors pull off something. Jordan Polo was good. But before we get dark into the NBA and whatnot, I got a special guest going on. I got William here from Substantiate Hypothetical uh, Sports Podcast. I did say that right, William? Yep. Uh, the podcast is Substantiate, and I talk about hypothetical sports matchups. So I had Joshua on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about that week's NFL matchups, but if they played basketball, and you can go and find all kinds of previous matchups and uh, different hypothetical uh, thought exercises on Substantiate. Yeah, that, that was a really good one. That was fun. I think that was like for week five. And also, I'm going to put his uh, social media links and also the podcast episode we did on his podcast down in the show notes below. For anyone that wants to go check it out, really cool. I highly suggest it because I have fun there because it's always nice to have a hypothetical stuff. And <laughs> like, like you were saying about uh, transitioning basketball players and the football players, we're um, – we're now going to do the opposite about where we're going to take NBA players and put them into the NFL. So it, it's always going to be interesting because I think the one thing that's always like, I don't know, I guess funny could be the right word, but when you see the height difference, I take the average running back height. Yeah. It, it's different. They're below six feet. They're so around there. And then when you look at Andrew Wiggins, for example, he's six foot seven. Like when you look at these guys, there's like different. So without further ado, let's get right into this podcast episode. Yeah. And one other thing, if I can, like when you're talking about the difference in builds of football players versus basketball players, not just the height difference, but there is no one in the NBA that is built like a 5'11 running back, right? Those guys are packed with muscle. They might be 5'11, but weigh how much a 6'3 NBA guard might. So they're just so strong. And it it's just a completely different environment, which makes it so interesting. It really is because like Saquon Barkley, look at Saquon Barkley and put them onto a basketball court, or just try to match anyone from the NBA for Saquon Barkley. You can't. If you look at his size, if you look at his build, that dude's packed with muscle, as you were saying. Yeah, so, six foot, 232. That's insane. And <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why, uh, instead of Saquon, I call him like quad bark, uh, 
It's like, yeah, it's Claude Barkley. Oh my God. Yeah. There was a Dunkin' Donuts commercial a year or two ago where his thighs just kept expanding because they're huge. That, that shouldn't be normal for a running back. <laughs> but now that should, that should say something. That should tell you how much he works his legs. I wonder how many times he hits a leg day. Because those yeah. things are huge. He's just built like a freight train. He really is. <laughs> Yeah, you're always, yeah, you're just always going to see that. So I guess that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to be at today is just going to be taking, so we know what Saquon Bark is like in NFL, right? We know their builds, but now what happens if you take somebody from the NBA and you try to put them into the NFL? So I guess my question would be, if you were to take one of the top teams and it doesn't have to be going off of the records because rolling within the first few games, right? But one of the best teams, who would be the number one person that would be most likely to have success or at least a potential in the NFL? So the player I'm thinking of, and I've talked about this with other guests on my podcast before, and LeBron James, right? He he threatened in the lockout you know, he was going to go to the Cowboys. And one thing that was interesting about the conversation I had with uh, that episode, my guest was Anthony Irwin, who he's a writer and podcaster for the Lakers. And I say, well, isn't that interesting about the NBA that players or two, right? No matter which way you rank Jordan or LeBron, you know, much more than 90% of NBA fans will, but that might be a stretch, but uh, many NBA fans will tell you that those are the top two players of all time. And how interesting that both of them at least tried to, or had the opportunity to go play another sport. And what does that say about the NBA that, hmm, their players want to leave the NBA, but uh, Anthony, he looked at it the other way around. He said, well, look at that. That means that the best NBA athletes have the capability to go and play another sport. So he looked at it the complete other way, saying that NBA athletes are the best athletes, right? And that's obviously a hot debate, you know, what sport has the best athletes. And I subscribe to the idea that football has the best athletes just because it's the most physical game but right there's sort of that that effect there between these players so in that respect LeBron James he's just so big he would be like I don't even know if he would be a tight end or a wide receiver necessarily on the court or on the field um right because he's obviously probably more built especially the way you slim down over the off season, like a wide receiver. So I'm picturing him maybe sort of like an Evan Ingram type deal, right? You got a tight end that's, you know, a bit smaller, a built, a bit more slim built like a wide receiver. But I mean, I could also see him as more of a quarterback, right? He's uh, up there on the all time assists chart and, you know, well, obviously assists is passing the ball. And I mean, you you hear players talk about LeBron and the way he passes the ball and how specific to 
the way you want, right? Like the lines on the ball into the way that you naturally shoot. So when you're that specific, I, I mean, he could play a few different positions because he's just so athletic. You really, you really could, because if you look at his build, and there's another guy I want to touch on, but if you look at LeBron, what you're saying is wide receiver. He would be the reincarnation of Randy Moss, but times that <laughs> by ten. He would, he would be more dominant than George Kittle, right? Times that by ten, Travis Kelsey. But also, you have to make a case for Giannis and what we saw oh, yeah. last season. Just going off last season, there's a reason why people call him the Greek freak. We saw that against the Phoenix Suns. We saw against all the teams that he beat, healthy or not. He Brooklyn could, last he, week. Yeah. Yeah, his all-star game. <laughs> if you look at him, you can't stop him. You really can't. And I don't, I don't know if you saw or not, but he's also getting a jump shot. So you really can't stop him. So going off by that, if you play Giannis in the NFL, I would put him as a defensive end or even someone on offense because he has the build. Now so, that, yep. Yeah, so it's interesting you bring up Giannis because I don't know if or how much you play Madden, but last year I was playing at one of my friend's houses and he plays Madden much more than I do. But right, we're playing some special mode. I don't even know what it was called, but Giannis was actually a player in the game. And I'm not sure if it just depended on what mode you were playing or whatever, but at least in that case, he was a running back, you know, and with all the X factors and stuff. And yeah, I mean, you talk about athletes at the top of the NBA, you talk about Giannis. He's like you said, he's the Greek freak, right? When you first look at him, he looks like Kevin Durant, but stronger almost. Now, Kevin Durant is you know, arguably a better overall player. Uh, Kevin Durant still is yet to be, you know, the sole leading factor on a championship team, really like Giannis was. But, right, Giannis, he's just so physical in a way that really is unmatched by anyone else in the NBA right now. Because he's just a problem. And now, going back, like, I can't, like, imagine... Because I have, I don't know how many mans I do have, but all I can imagine is just having him in a video game and just have him lighting up everyone, just hit-sticking everyone, because he could. If you wanted to, he could, just because he, he's just so physical. Because he's just going to use his height, his weight, just everything to his advantage. It would be really interesting to see a comparison with him and J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald. Now, those guys are a little more muscular, right? But still, the physicality is pretty intense. Any way that you look at it. But it's right what you're saying. He does look like a stronger type of Kevin Durant. He's, he's, he looks like he's a stronger form of Kevin Durant. But now, when you talk about being in like the post and the pain, wherever, and he's driving, he just looks like a beast. And you really don't see that from... Kevin Durant as much so when you're like whoa this is like Kevin Durant times 100 like this is his own beast this is something that Giannis is just uh, I it's just perfecting on that he just can't be stopped at and that's the one nice thing that I always like to see from NBA players NFL players is that the one thing you can you may or may not be able to teach 
is physicality and showing it showing it when the time is right. And to me, looking at the NBA Finals, looking at all these different moments in sports history like football and basketball, you see these top-level athletes that are showing their physicality, showing just their mental toughness at the right time. And it always comes at the clutch. It always comes at the right time. So that's something that I could see Giannis in the NBA for too. Yeah, so I just looked it up. So Giannis is 6'11", 242. And Kevin Durant is actually 6'10", 240. So there actually isn't really much of a weight difference. And if anything, with Giannis having the extra inch, then Kevin Durant would uh, have a little more weight uh, per inch. So, I mean, yeah, like they're just, I mean, in, you know, Kevin Durant also, I think would be great here. Uh, You know, someone with the experience he's played on now three different teams three different championship caliber teams. I think you can argue that the early OKC teams, uh, obviously now when you look back at it with Russ, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, who are all now on, again, title contending teams and pretty much have been uh, ever since. But I, I mean, Kevin Durant, like he could fit into again so many different positions you can make an argument for and i mean here i think i might go back to the defense side and look at a linebacker or a d lineman just someone that is physical and can get the job done oh yeah for sure if you want to put kevin durant kevin durant would go offensive or defensively I can see him being a linebacker. I can see him being a defensive end, a linebacker, or heck, for the fun of it, put him as a wide receiver. Just because of his height, it wouldn't take him much. He will only have to jump just a little bit, just a little bit to get that ball. <laughs> and where cornerbacks average height, like 5'11", 6 feet tall, there's like a huge difference. Whatever it's going to be, even if you put, let's just say a cornerback in the NFL is like 6'2", 6'3", Still, that's going to help a little bit, but Kevin Durant is just very, very tall and very athletic. So, yeah, it's just crazy when we're looking at these comparisons, like looking at height, weight, just what they've done in different sports, where you're looking at NFL or NBA. It's just truly incredible to look at because, it's like, when you're putting in that perspective, like, wow, what if? I don't know if you saw the story about uh, Allen Iverson yesterday. He's like, I love football so much I could play it. I could have played it. Yeah. I could I could believe that. Because there's even highlights on him in high school and whatnot, but if he wanted to be a wide receiver or he wanted to be a running back, whatever he wanted to be, I don't know what he wanted to be, but there is a legitimate case for him to be a NFL player. But now their true potential would have came from LeBron during the 2012, uh, 2011 lockdowns. Because when he got that from the Seahawks and even the Cowboys to come play, he actually could. I say that would have been really cool, really fun to see. So I would love to see like a crossover there. Yeah. I mean, just when you think about all of that and uh, and all of the different, you know, height and weights and archetypes, if you will, for each position like that. and then you think about all of the different 
archetypes in basketball and basketball it's probably a little more different but you had mentioned it uh when we were talking a few weeks ago uh you know where would Dondre Ayton be on a football team and well with his height if you're comparing him to NFL players I mean a you could probably put him anywhere but b quarterback would be interesting because he's just so much taller he can see right over everyone but then at the same time when you're talking about a player like Aiton one of the best tallest physical players again probably top 10 in that category then then any of these players right when they can all be playing against each other then there's so many different things that could happen right we don't really know what happens on a kicker turn when a 611 250 guy is trying to be tackled by you know someone smaller let's say a russell westbrook like a 6364 200 pound guy right like right. you know momentum has two parts there's speed and mass so when you have two players running full steam into each other like that then I mean, all we know, Aiton might just run over everyone uh, if he's returning a kick. Like, there's just so many different things that we really don't know the answer to in this situation, which is, uh, it's just so interesting that, you know, we don't really see that in the NFL. You don't see some gigantic D linemen, uh, you know, return kicks or punts and just ram through everyone it's usually defensive backs or wide receivers and you know these players are fast but what if you're looking at a different trait for that position and i mean it could go so many different ways yeah going back to your point like who would be able to stop deon jane like if you're trying to tackle him that's going to take a lot of force that's going to take a lot of energy out of you because what are you going to do with a guy like that? It's not like you can throw like a 5'11 guy on the ground. It's just different, especially in Ant's case. And while uh, while you're talking about DeAndre Ayn, you know who would be really good at cornerback? It would be Patrick Beverly. Because if you ever seen him play, especially against the Phoenix Suns and whatnot, and he would <laughs> play mental games, he would just get wild close to personal, like, to the point where it was uncomfortable. And he would just play lockdown defense. I think he can be a really, really good cornerback. Like, just imagine that. Like, imagine if he's, like, going up against DeAndre Hopkins or anyone else that's a wide receiver. I believe he can do it. That's also something to consider because you just never know. Same with Drew Holiday. They're two really good defensive players that can be great lockdown specialists on NFL teams. Yeah. So, ultimately, I think that like if we're talking about the best NBA players to fit a position in football, I think I might have to go with Steph Curry at quarterback because right. His just ability to see the floor, his ability to right find space, whether it's find an open teammate or whether it's, yeah, well, not just finding them, but finishing it. Right we see he is one of if not the greatest three-point shooter of all time because he has that accuracy that precision that consistency to hit the deep shots 
right? And so I think that in football, to throw the ball deep to a receiver, when you have someone physical, let's say, you know, a Kevin Durant or a Giannis or a LeBron James is out there trying to make a play for the ball, then, you know, I think any of them could could work really well together in a tandem. And then another thing going along with that is I think Russell Westbrook is probably the closest player to a running back build. So I think I would have to put him at running back. And obviously a player like him, you know, he's really not a great shooter, but, you know, his ability to finish, his ability to uh, go through contact there and finish the play now with the exception of the Lakers opener the other night, but, but a player like him or even James Harden, right? The, although James Harden can also is a better three point shooter, but those kinds of players I think would be really good as a running back. Yeah, I would think so too. And going back to your Stephen Curry one about being quarterback and whatnot, else who came to mind, Damian Lillard going off accuracy and whatnot. Because if you want to talk about guys that can drain shots from wherever, those two players are key. And that's why, at, especially at the quarterback position with accuracy, with just being able to pinpoint that ball, whether it's going to be a deep ball, short ball, whatever, I can see Curry, I can see even Damian Lillard doing that. Because I think Damian Lillard has the accuracy. I think he'll be able mm-hmm. to, because he's able to see the court. Like, he knows how to get teammates involved. He, know, he also knows how to take it himself. So, looking at that, I would take Damian Lord and Stephen Curry to be in the quarterback position. Yeah, and again, it's kind of interesting how when we were talking about DeAndre Ayton, well, I still don't think that he would be better in that position than, again, a Steph Curry, a Dame Lillard, or a James Harden, right? You're looking at uh, you know, someone that's a bit smaller, but right in the NBA, you're not seeing a center come out in guard Steph Curry at the top of the arc, right? That's just not how the NBA works. Now is this, if the center were to guard Curry, would he have a much higher chance of blocking a shot? Almost definitely. But the thing is, then Curry just blows by him, either finds an open teammate or finishes at the rim, right? So that's not really an option. But in football, if Curry is the quarterback and, you know, there's a power forward or a center equivalent that's rushing him, well, all of a sudden, he's kind of small in this situation. So, I mean, I'm not sure if there's maybe a better, like, six five six six kind of counterbalance between the two but i think that would probably be the optimal quarterback in this situation yeah i i can see that too because the thing is that it's just it's like interesting because what you consider big in the nba can be translated to nfl being like a decent height or just like something that could potentially Mm -hmm. work because in the nba let's say you're a center Height matters. Like, look at Shaq. He was huge. Look, <laughs> like, look at all these different guys. Take the orange and as we were talking about. He's huge. He's tall. But then when you put that in an NFL sense, height doesn't always mean that it'll always work out. So looking at that, some 
Because take um, DeAndre Hopkins' play from last year against the Bills. There was no height advantage. It just came down to luck, and it came down to being able to catch that ball. So if you put DeAndre back there, height might necessarily not work, depending where he's at. Now, if he's in the front, oh, yeah, he's getting that down. You just never know. So it just goes about like what your skills are more than height sometimes. Yeah, so to me, it sounds like you're talking about rebounding, right? DeAndre Ayton. Uh, not Aiton, Hopkins, excuse me, right? Not necessarily having the height advantage, but still getting up there. Well, that's very similar to rebounding. So in that sense, I think someone like a Russell Westbrook, right? Maybe he's the running back out of the backfield, but can also, uh, you know, be an option, whether it's just the running back screen or maybe not downfield threat, but you know, somewhere in the short passing game where anyone that can rebound uh, for something taller than they are, then they would be great in that scenario. And at the same time, you could also flip it around. You can say, okay, you're going to be the cornerback. You're going to be the safety, right? You're going to be the one on the defense. We're going to utilize your skills to do the exact opposite in some ways. Uh, right. You're going to, instead of score for us, you're going to get the ball back for us. Now, the thing where you might be losing some uh, skill at a position in that situation would then be, you know, how much, how good are these players? How good is Russell Westbrook going to be in coverage? Westbrook is not a great defender in the NBA. I think there you can draw a similar comparison, right? In the NBA, teams almost always play man, but in basketball in general, more so in college, right? There are zones that are floated around. Well, you know, there's the same concepts in football. And I think that, yeah, you can find a, uh, a defensive back in the NBA with, uh, or that is a good rebounder and a good defender primarily. Yeah, because the one thing that when I'm always trying to do these hypothetical matchups and put someone on defense, the one thing that the NBA has transitioned away from is defense. Unless you're a big guy, normally when you're a big guy, that's where you expect to be defense. But Majority of the NBA and NBA teams, how they're coaching and whatnot, they don't focus on defense that much. So, Patrick Beverly, he's all defense. Um, Drew Holiday, he's all defense. But take James Harden, he wouldn't be defensive. Heck, he doesn't even know how to play defense. He just knows how to shoot a basketball. So, when you're looking at that, it's kind of hard to assess guys on defense. So, I guess majority of the guys that I'm thinking about that are some of the top athletes rarely focus on defense and more focus on offense in the NBA because in rare chances in the NBA now, offense wins championships. Heck, go back to the 2016 Cavaliers. While they did play defense, and LeBron James had that epic uh, block, that rundown block, you still had Kyrie Irving's game-saving with 50-some-odd seconds to go or something like that in that game-saving free to give him that huge, huge momentum break. So offense is now winning championships in the NBA where 
defense is winning championships in the NBA, uh, NFL, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, right. In basketball and in football, the defense is usually not the glory position. Okay. LeBron will have a crazy dunk here and there. Like he had one, uh, excuse me, not dunk block. Uh, like he had one in the Lakers home opener, but at the end of the day, you know, those players oftentimes get underappreciated just because it's usually not that flashy to play well when covering an opponent, right? It's not that exciting to watch necessarily, unless you really know what's going on. And then you can appreciate all the little things like, you know, wow, he really stayed with him after that screen, right? Really able to uh, play around some of the things that the offense might do to try to get around your defense. And it's the same in football, right? You know, the greatest defensive backs aren't going to have more than, you know, 10 interceptions uh, in a season would be a great season, right? So you're never really going to get much more than that. So like, you know, that's less than once a game, right? You might still have a flashy play, a flashy tackle or hit, but it's not the same as the quarterback slinging the ball downfield, converting on a third and long, you know, uh, scoring the touchdown with over the shoulder pass into the back corner of the end zone. It's never going to be Dame Lillard pulling up from half court or Anthony Davis just, you know, well, more so in the bubble, but working magic in the mid range. And, you know, it's, it's never going to be like that on defense. And it's kind of sad in a way that it's underappreciated. And I hesitate from saying undervalued because when it comes to paying players, especially in the NBA, yeah, Alex Caruso got like $9 million. He's, you know, a very good defensive player, but, you know, underappreciated, I still think. Yeah, it's like, that's always, we're always struggling, like, because I'm always like, if we look at teams that lost, the majority of it is because, yeah, sure, they're balling out on offense, but never on defense because we just lose sight of playing defense. And I guess that's why when you look at Kawhi Leonard, you never look for his steal game. You never look for his defensive game. You always look for his offensive game. That's why majority of the highlights are never, rarely never defense. The reason why people still remember LeBron James' iconic block is because it was a game changer and it was just something that saved them. But besides that, because that right there, Brian Tense, that right there, heightened the moment. If you're just talking about a really cool steal, I take it for example, I can't remember what game was at the NBA Finals, but Drew Holiday stripped the ball from Devin Booker and passed down to Giannis for a huge slam. Not one person talked about Drew Holiday's steal, but people were talking about Giannis. That's what made the highlight. So, as to what you're saying, they're just like underappreciated. It's like teams notice their defense, but when you're looking at fans, looking at experts, looking at all these different people, it's always about offense. Exactly. What, yeah, it could just be what's flashy, what's cool, and different things like that. It's like what makes a highlight real. 
That's why Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball will never be known for defense because a he doesn't really work on off uh, defense. He's more known as an offensive guy, but he's more on his passing. Why? Because passing's cool. It's better than like rebounding, right? Just as an example, like can you imagine like having a highlight reel about all rebounds? Like that may not be as appealing as like the greatest three point shots in NBA history, right? It's just like has a different like level of appeal and like satisfaction. Well, out of highlight rebounds, I bet Dwight Howard is half of them. Just going <laughs> up, getting it, and then also you know. There's also that technical at the end or that flagrant ripping the ball away, but <laughs> still highlight worthy. But yeah, I mean, just between all of that, there's just so much that, right, again, the defensive players underappreciated, just they go unnoticed in certain ways because you just expect that there's a base ability to play defense, which is really not the case because different players, right? It's not like there's a floor in terms of, you know, defensive ability. You can have a player that is super great on offense, yet be almost nothing, be much below average on defense, right? Just because you're one at one, just because you're good at one doesn't make you good at the other. And to all the people that say, oh, if Kevin Durant's foot was a inch shorter, then they would have made it to the finals. Well, okay. Yes. If his foot is behind the line on that shot, they go to the NBA finals. But you know what also would have made them go to the NBA finals if they'd made a couple more defensive plays, right? In that game, I'm sure there were plenty of opportunities like, oh, well, they slipped up a bit there on defense, right? So sometimes when you look at those initial things, right, there's the easy easy answer. Oh, Kevin Durant's foot was just so, just so little, or so little above the line that if his foot was just a teeny bit shorter. But you can look further than that. You can see, Okay, that's the easy answer for where did it go wrong. But the defense is, you can almost always find an area in a game that was decided by less than five points where easy defensive plays would have made the difference. Because there's tons of opportunities in NBA and whatnot. Any sport, really, we're able to say, you know what? You can make those defensive adjustments. You can because... And this gets really fundamental, but even just simply boxing out, like no one thinks that's like a beautiful work of art, but still it's fundamental. And it's a reason why people get defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds, different things like that. But I just love how we always go to the player that messed up offensively, but never on the defensive side, because there's always opportunity to crack down on your opponent. There's always an opportunity to get a steal or just to play really solid basketball on the defensive end because if you hold them within those 24 seconds or even on uh, as they're taking up the ball for those eight-second violations, that's a defensive win right there. But no one wants to talk about that. Look at Kobe Bryant. I, I can't remember who he was guarding, but he started at, the ba- at his opponent's baseline, 
and his team and his opposing team threw in the ball, he guarded the guy all the way up and never let him score. He made him pass it. That's called good defense. But rarely do we talk about that. We talk about all Kobe Bryant's game winners. And I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying when value one or other, it's pretty incredible what he did defensively that not many people are talking about. Because Kobe Bryant, like Michael Jordan, like LeBron, like all these great guys, these good guys, they make great defensive plays, but they're um, shadowed by the offensive plays. Yeah, I mean, why will Russell Westbrook never be looked at as one of the greatest of all time? He's lacking defensively, right? Even for all the people that argue Kevin Durant, you know, he's a good defensive player. He's above average, but he's not great like a Kobe or a LeBron or a Jordan was at defense. So, right. I mean, obviously those are, you know, the top five are five people out of everyone that's played in the NBA over the last 75 years. Right. So, you know, to get up there, you have to be great, 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 but it just shows, Hey, the greatest do it both, right? It Russell Westbrook, he's flashy. He has all the triple doubles, but triple doubles are primarily an offensive sport, uh, an offensive stat, right? Even though, okay, rebounding's most or rebounds mostly come from defense, but at the end of the day, Rebounding is really what happens after the defensive play. It's what happens after the shot is taken, right? Because if you're going up against Steph Curry or Dame Lillard, well, you might not get that many opportunities for a rebound. So, it, it, right, there's so many different things as opposed to in football, to sort of come back to it, there is every single pass attempt the defense has the opportunity to intercept the ball, right? So it's all about where you are. Anytime the football is in the air, it's anyone's ball. Now, the offense has the advantage of being the one that's throwing the ball and therefore gets to choose where to throw it and who to throw it to. But a good defender will be there. You see it in the Dallas game last week. Uh, or at this point, a week and a half ago from when this episode is being released. But when uh, they're playing, uh, yeah, it was New England, and Trayvon Diggs, I think that's who it was, he comes up with a big pick six. Well, he's there on defense uh, the week before against the Giants. I don't know why, but Daniel Jones keeps throwing it uh, to I'm not even sure who Diggs was guarding at that point, but they keep trying to it. And Diggs got pretty sure he got an interception in that game. And he's right. There's just always an opportunity that a good defensive player can seize. Oh yeah, for sure. And Diggs is going to be, people are calling, or people are calling him a candidate for defense part of the year. Because he shows he has six or seven interceptions. Yeah. Why? Because he's taking, not only because that's his permanent position, but because he takes pride in what he does and he wants to work at it. And so, and going back to the Cowboys-Patriots game, when we saw a pick six, that was just perfectly timed. 
So he was trying to capitalize on that opportunity. Now, the following play, he did get burned by Mac Jones. <laughs> but besides that, he still made a great defensive opportunity uh, on the pick six. But yeah, and one more, just talk, uh, one more guy from the NBA that really shows about uh, underappreciation was Gary Payne. He was called the glove for a reason. It was because of his defensive abilities, but not many too many people talk about. Why? Because defense was pretty much his life and what he was known for. So that's just another player that's really not gotten the proper re- uh, recognition for all the great accomplishments, all the great things that he did defensively because he just worked at it. And it, he just drove every single one of his opponents crazy because he could not stop them. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at, right, like there's another hypothetical that I've talked about on my podcast for a portion of an episode. Well, what if Gary Payton guards Michael Jordan for the entire 96 finals, right? Because he didn't cover Jordan until it was either game four or game five, something like that, right? So how does that change? Gary Payton was a player that, was willing to and wanted to step up to the challenge at hand. He wanted to guard the best of all time and he didn't shy away from it. Now, ultimately I think they probably wind up losing anyway, because many people consider that bulls team to be the best of the six championship winning teams. But at the same time, right? Like, just at any point throughout that series. I'm not, I couldn't tell you the scores of the games off the top of my head or how many points Michael Jordan had, but all of these things have lingering effects on the game. Okay. If receiver one is covered, well, that means that we have to go to receiver two. Now, if receiver two is also covered, all of a sudden, receiver three or our tight end is the next option and they're right you're forcing the offense into a different situation the last thing you want is for the offense to be able to pick their way through you and decide everything that's going on in the game to dictate the game right the defense that's their entire purpose to stop that from the offense or to stop that from happening. Yeah, because even looking at, at the NFL, NBA, that's pretty much self-destruction right there. If you're not willing to – now, unless it's it's really impossible, but if you're not willing to put up solid defense and it's just not there, that's pretty much self-destruction right there because there are adjustments you can do on NFL and NBA side. There are adjustments there. There are things you guys – take an NBA – you can call a quick timeout or at a free throw line, and you can swap guys in and out for defensive rotations or just rotations in general. So there's things that you can do. So if you're losing battling, so because there's always been these blow games, I know the Mavericks last year were blowing up the Clippers or whoever the team was, and when, they're, when a team beats you by 50, that tells me that your defense got obliterated. But I also ask the question, how and why? Like, why would you let that happen? And how did that get to the point about the head coach saying something or the player stepping up in some way? Because in all, in all due respect, I think it was Clippers. The Dallas Mavericks, are they're good. Luka Doncic is a solid player. 
Christoph Porzingis, he's up and down with injuries and just who he is. But it's not only they have like all these different key players on there, they're just so physically challenging. So that's that's um so that's a huge error right there. But yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, so that's one thing. And you mentioned Luka Doncic. I was at uh Nick's at Mavs game last April. And Luca, he didn't score that much that game. But you know what he did do? He had 18 assists. Now, the Knicks wind up winning the game. That was part of their like nine game winning streak last year, something like that. Julius Randle had like 45 points. It was a crazy game. Super fun. But Luka Doncic is the player that, okay, if wide receiver one is covered, I'm going to option two. I'm going to assists. I'm giving it to my teammates. I'm giving them the opportunity to score. Now, at the end of the day, they wind up losing that game again, but still it's the idea that if he's not going to score 30 points today, well, he's going to have help Derek Rose score 15. Uh, Excuse me. Derek Rose is on the Knicks. Bad example. He's going to help someone else uh, score 15 points instead of 10. He's going to help someone else. He's going to, uh, get the ball to Porzingis and just opening up all of the other options important in any sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, any sport. Yeah, you hit. Yeah, you hit it right, right there. And using Luca example, uh, Luca Doncic example right there was very is a very good one because because you always see a guy quarterback or point guard. Just gonna use those two examples. They're always finding different options. Take Russell, uh, take Russell Wilson. He looks for his options. He looks for progressions all the time because he's able to see the field. Look at Luka Doncic. He can see the court. He can read it. He knows what's going to happen. So he makes the he makes a few choices. Well, does he want to pass it or does he want to try to take it himself? So it's really cool seeing that. And I don't know, but could Luka Doncic play in NFL as a quarterback? That would be interesting. That would be a really interesting hypothetical to try to actually debunk and try to go through. Yeah, I mean, any of these players, right? Bottom line, all of these players, super athletic. They'd all be able to make something happen in the NFL, right? Whether it's as a defensive back or as a receiver or a quarterback, right? And you look at a player like Luca, right? There are a certain number of players in the NBA that you can expect to score a triple double on any given night, right? There's Luca, there's Westbrook. You can argue even LeBron more so a few years ago, Curry, right? Curry got one the other night against the Lakers, right? It, you know, it's just not that shocking when they score a triple double, but when you look at a player and right, it's just that importance of, okay, Lamar Jackson, that Monday night game a couple weeks ago, the Ravens and their hundred game rushing or excuse me, hundred yard rushing streak was like 40 some odd games, but okay. So the running game isn't going. So instead he went off, had like 400 passing yards and, you know, just, carried the team in what's arguably his best performance of his career. Yeah, it's just crazy. 
Because all these guys are just looking for depression. They're just looking at the next opportunity. They're like, okay, one guy can't do it. Let's just go to the next. We're just going to keep doing this cycle because the cycle is real and the cycle has been proven. So it's not, could it be a faulty cycle? Not really because it's it's working. And one thing that I really want to get to before we start wrapping up and whatnot, so we talked about players, right? But what if you put an entire starting lineup, a starting team in the NFL? If you had to choose in the Western Conference, Eastern Conference, what's one team that could be a starting, that could be a huge or potential franchise in the NFL? So the number one team that I am not choosing is the Lakers because of their age. Um, ultimately, I think I would have to go with, you know, let's talk about the Bucks, right? Because they just won the championship. They, they're a team where, right, you've got Giannis. He can be a threat, whether it's as a receiver, a running back like in Madden. He's big. You could put him as QB if you wanted to, although maybe not the best fit, right? Then you've got maybe a Brooke Lopez, another big guy. Maybe put him on uh, the D-line or the O-line, right? Just someone that's super physical. And then, uh, you know, you've got Drew Holiday and um, his name's escaping. Oh, Chris Middleton. Right. And you've got those players, just you can drop them around. They'll be reliable on defense. Right. Which is something we talked about a lot. They're going to be credible option options on the offense. And right. They're all players that when they're out there on the field, you don't need to worry about how they're going to play for the most part, because you know that you're going to get good effort. You know that you're going to get championship caliber play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because the Bucks, they're solid. I could play as a solid NFL team just because they're so diverse in their skills. They're just mm-hmm. they so many different skills. They could just work. And I see another team that will be pretty interesting to put into um, the NFL would be either the either the Warriors or the Suns. One of those two teams will be really, really good to put into an NFL because for the Suns, you've got Devin Booker, you got Jaron Jan if you're talking about Chris Paul. Chris Paul make a good quarterback. Then yep. you Cam Johnson, all the different players, right? Then with the Warriors, those are stars are not bad. Because on the bench, the Warriors, they have some really good offensive players and even defensive players to a certain extent. But yeah, those will be my two teams as things go. Yeah, and then the Warriors, right? Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. Now, I think that team, possibly because of size, uh, might not compete at the same level. But again, in the NFL, the optimal player isn't 6'5", right? Maybe for a tight end. but Overall, that's really not the case. So, yeah, I mean, any NBA team could could put out a lineup, right? Every team has one half-decent player that is either physical enough to play on the line, that is good enough defensively to be a defensive back, that is a good enough rebounder to be a receiver, right? Any of these things 
right? This is the NBA. This isn't high school basketball, right? These are top quality athletes that whether they have a specific specialty, which can translate to football, or if they have just a few different things that they're good at, you know, I think the first, right, having a specific quality that you're great at, right, you're great in coverage, I think that would translate better to the NFL. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, these guys are athletes, they're going to play. Yeah, because you can make the case for the OKC Thunder. Heck, you can put them on. As bad as they are, you could put them on. Yeah, that that's – um. Unless you have anything else you want to add, I think we covered everything because there are so many more players, so many more teams. But the one thing that always sticks out to me, even though you can make a franchise out of them, it just depends on their potential. Like they, like the OKC Thunder would have no potential in the NFL. Just looking at the roster, if you're looking at the Warriors, they got high potential, and that goes for players as well. Yeah, and I think it goes without saying that. If a team of these guys is playing against an NFL team, they're almost 100% going to lose, right? And now, if they're playing a team of other basketball players, now that's where it gets interesting. So you have to look at all of this in context, right? Obviously, the NBA is never going to play a, you know, why not a summer backyard football game, right? That's just not going to happen. But when you just look at all of these skill sets and when you compare the skill sets from the NBA to the NFL, that's where you get the juicy conversations. So again, my podcast is Substantiate. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts at Substantiate Pod on Instagram and Twitter and www.substantiatepod.com. I want to thank Joshua for having me on here today and for coming back on my podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, Joshua's a great content creator and someone to work with. Uh, So thank you, Joshua. It's been been nice having you as my first um, guest on my podcast. So it's awesome having you on here. Again, I'm going to put all of... um, William stuff down in the podcast show notes. But yeah, it's been real fun. Hopefully we can do this again. And if you have nothing else to say, I think we can cover it here because we talked about a lot in this hour. <laughs> we talked about a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. Of course. And until um until again, guys, I'll see you on Tuesday's episode at 8 a.m. Don't miss it. You can find me anywhere or just look up Courts of Heat on Google. And without further ado, I think it's just time to let the intro music to take us out of this podcast episode. See you again, sing you again, William. Let's just try to do this again sometime. Yeah, of course.